Welcome to the Omni Podcast, where we try to bring science, business, medicine, and neurology together in order to help you develop mentally, physically, and professionally. My name is Brad, and in today's episode, I'll be taking you through my own morning routine, and I'll explain the benefits of each stage and the science behind it. Because without facts, how do you know that something works, right? I know that a lot of you would have heard of the importance of morning routines previously, but have you ever actually tried sticking to one for a longer period of time? If the answer is yes, then you know how vital that is to one's well-being and also professional development and having a solid morning routine will help you run your business more efficiently and get things done. Okay, so let's kick things off with the first stage of my morning routine, which is going to be about light and circadian rhythms. My aim with providing this information to you and the overall podcast is to prove to you that health and wellness can help you develop your business as well as live a good life. I know that for some of you, this is maybe a um, something that is common sense, but you will be surprised. This is why I want to first of all talk about something called the circadian rhythm of the body. Believe me when I say this, if you're someone who is having issues with this, your health is not the only thing that will decline. Your business will no later follow. Circadian rhythms work by helping to make sure that the body's processes are optimized at various points during a 24-hour period. The term circadian comes from the Latin phrase circa diem, which means around the day. In people, circadian rhythms coordinate mental and physical systems throughout the body. The digestive system produces proteins to match the typical timings of meals, and the endocrine system regulates hormones to suit normal energy expenditure. The circadian rhythms throughout the body are connected to a master clock, sometimes referred to as the circadian pacemaker, located in the brain. Specifically, it is found in the suprachiasmatic nucleus, or the SCN, which is in a part of the brain called the hypothalamus. At different times of the day, clock genes in the SCN send signals to regulate activity throughout the body. The SCN is highly sensitive to light, which serves as a critical external cue that influences the signals sent by the SCN to coordinate internal clocks in the body. For this reason, circadian rhythms are closely connected to day and night, while other cues like exercise, social activity, and temperature can affect the master clock. Light is the most powerful influence on circadian rhythms. When properly aligned, a circadian rhythm can promote consistent and restorative sleep, but when this circadian rhythm is thrown off, it can create significant sleeping problems including insomnia. Research is also revealing that circadian rhythms play an integral role in diverse aspects of physical and mental health. As you can see, the two are interlinked, which means that our business is going to be connected because you need clear focus and concentration to be able to execute important jobs and think critically. But you also need your body to be durable, your organs to function, so that you're able to digest food and then use it for either exercise or mental work. All of this information and more can be found on the National Institute of General Medical Sciences or the NIH. I will provide all links used for this podcast in the notes so you can read through the research yourself. If there's one key factor that you can take away and start applying straight away into your own morning routine, that will be uh, light, basically. As per multiple research papers, light is what will have the most substantial effect on your circadian rhythm. It will essentially notify your brain that it is time to start sending signals all around the body. I like to look at it as the engine start button on your brain. Even though the brain never stops working really, it needs an extra push in order to get all of its functions firing 
firing on all cylinders. This brings us to the most important parts of a morning routine and possibly the most important parts of your day if you ask me. When do your eyes actually see light? Okay, so do you get out of bed and walk around the dark house, maybe because your eyes are not ready to adjust, or maybe you're thinking of a spouse uh, or, or your kids who are sleeping and are trying not to cause them inconvenience? Forget that. You must go to a room in your house where you can put lights on immediately. Yes, ideally, and if possible, you would want to go outside and take in the natural sunlight. Even if cloudy, still your eyes will straight away notify your brain that it's time to go to work. If you don't have the option to go directly outdoors for a quick walk, you can do what I do and stand on your balcony or terrace for 5-10 to 10 minutes and just take in that sweet sunlight. Don't stare directly into the sun, but just keep your eyes open and just look around basically. If you don't have a terrace, you can also look through the window or use artificial light by switching on the lights in your home. It's obviously not the same as the real deal, but it's definitely better than nothing and research proves it. I want to quickly read an abstract for you from a research paper I found on artificial light and after that I want you to think about how you use artificial light in your household. Okay, so here it is. It has frequently been reported that exposure to artificial light at night, which is abbreviated as ALAN, A-L-A-N, may cause negative health effects such as breast cancer, circadian phase disruption and sleep disorders. Exposure to artificial light, uh, bright light, during the nighttime suppresses melatonin secretion, increases sleep onset latency or SOL and increases alertness. Circadian misalignment caused by chronic ALAN exposure may have negative effects on the psychological, cardiovascular and or metabolic functions. Which means that the artificial light can have an immense effect on the brain and if you don't have access to the outdoors straight away in the morning, you will still be able to get your brain going by using the artificial lights in your home. Now we're getting to part two of my personal morning routine, which is going to cover something called binaural beats, okay? Now, as I've just discussed uh, the uh, the light segments and or the light aspects of my morning routine, that's essentially the first step, the first thing that I need to do before I move into the binaural beat section, okay? So essentially, this podcast uh, is going to give you research information, is going to give you uh, education on all these different types of, um, you know, things that you would do in the morning, but essentially also showing you my own personal morning routine, okay? So let's say that now you've got light uh, in your eyes, in a way, it's time to load up the more complicated cognitive functions in your brain. Those of you who don't believe in the actual effect of binaural beats will be surprised as to the amount of literature that can be found on the topic. If you've never heard of them, here is a short explanation on what binaural beats actually are. Binaural beats entrainment is an auditory perceptual occurrence that exists when two tones of separate frequencies are simultaneously presented to each ear. Research on BB entrainment or binaural beats entrainment has gained attention due, due to its ability to treat various conditions like anxiety, attention deficit, hyperactivity, and also their effects on the brain ability to focus, think, and perform. This is very important. If some of you are wondering why I'm talking about this, it's because this is the second thing I do in the morning after getting that light in my eyeballs. I take my earphones out and stick on some binaural beats which helps me increase the alertness of my brain and prepare it for the day to come. But Brad, where do I get these binaural beats from? Like, what is that? 
Well, I personally use an app called Brainwaves, which I will link in the podcast description or in the video description below. I'm in no way associated with the app uh, itself. I just find it very useful for me in different circumstances. You can actually use different programs of the app throughout the day. You can even use it prior to physical training because even though your body is performing the task, your brain is actually controlling it. So don't forget that that's very important. Okay, so the app itself is going to have multiple different multiple programs that essentially you can start. It gives you timings of each program. Uh, and in a, in a couple of seconds, I'm going to explain the different types of waves that you can have. But the uh, app itself makes that a lot more easy for you because it doesn't tell you, um, for example, you're going to have gamma waves, beta waves, alpha waves. The, the app itself doesn't tell you, uh, you know, switch on gamma waves. It actually tells you, here's a morning routine. And that's what they're called. Morning routine, uh, you know, espresso routine, uh, prior to exercise routine. So it just, it's everything is loaded up there. So you don't even have to know all this stuff. You can just start using it straight away. Okay. But for those of you interested in what binaural beats are and like the frequencies and that kind of stuff, uh, let's kind of go over it now. So first of all, I will list the five main types of binaural beat uh, waves and what they are. And after that, I will explain how they work essentially. Okay, so first of all, we've got gamma waves, which is uh, around 100 hertz, which is directed towards insight, peak experiences and synchronization. Beta waves is the second type, which is essentially between 12 and 30 hertz which is uh, mostly used for alertness, concentration and thinking. So for example, I would use beta waves uh, 15 to 20 minutes before I actually get to work or uh, before I kind of start doing any cognitively complicated function. So what this is going to do is going to prepare my brain. So you know, when you go to the gym, essentially you're trying to warm up the body. This is like warming up the brain and getting it ready and focused for the task uh, at hand. Number three, you've got alpha waves, which is between eight and 12 hertz, which is mainly used for meditation, creativity, and relaxation. So for example, before you go to bed, you can do this for 15 to 20 minutes. Again, this is what I do every single night, and it really helps me go to sleep, go to deep sleep, which obviously helps my brain uh, cool down and prepares me for the day that's to come. Okay, number four, we've got uh, theta waves, which is between four and eight hertz, which is mainly used for visualization, trance, dreaming. So potentially if you're going to like a deeper meditation and that kind of stuff, I would use the theta waves. And finally, we've got the delta waves, which is between 0.5 and four hertz, where we are really looking at that deep sleep uh, restoration. So this is something that, again, you can use after you've used uh, the alpha waves or you can use it on, on its own. A lot of these programs that you're going to have in the app, they're actually combinations. So for example, uh, there's like a deep sleep um, program that I use every single night uh, and the app itself tells you there's uh, this, this program is essentially a combination between alpha waves, uh, theta waves and delta waves. Okay, so it's essentially going to combine all these. It's going to start at around maybe 8 hertz, transitioning to 12 and then go down towards, uh, you know, 6, 4 and towards delta waves, which was uh, down to uh, 0. 5. So it's like a combination. It's like, um, you know, essentially putting different aspects into one program and really helping the brain nice and easily uh, going to that deep sleep. Essentially, a binaural beat is uh, an illusion created by the brain when you listen to two tones with slightly different frequencies in each ear simultaneously. So this is why it's so important to use uh, headphones. And obviously, the better the headphones, uh, you know, the better for you, because you're going to experience uh, the actual tones a lot deeper. Um, and 
it's going to be a lot more efficient, okay? I personally like to use the uh, Apple uh, earpods because they're just easy for me, but if I had access to like uh, overhead or over-ear headphones, that would be even better. So what happens uh, is your brain interprets the two tones as a beat of their own and aligns your brain waves to produce a beat with a frequency that is the difference in hertz of the two tones, what we said a couple of seconds ago. For example, if you're listening to a hundred, uh, 430 hertz tone with your left ear and a 440 hertz tone, with your right ear, you will be hearing a 10 hertz tone, which will entrain your brain waves to the alpha frequency in the range of 8 to 12 hertz. The brain will perceive the binaural beat and it will resonate to the frequency of the difference in the two tones, which is popularly known as brainwave entrainment and in the scientific literature is called the frequency following response. Here are 10 applications of binaural beats, okay? So this is important here because um, this is what I use on a daily basis, okay? So these 10 applications can be used and have been proved to work because for each one of these applications, I'm also going to link uh, a research paper that you can essentially go through yourself because I don't, I don't just want to give you this information and tell you, right, you can use this for pain relief and not have any kind of substance to it, okay? Because um, I've personally used binaural beats for different, um, not all of these 10 applications. I'm going to share like 10, 10 applications, which uh, the majority I've personally used, but not all of them. But the ones I've used, I really do find that binaural beats work for, okay? So number one, we've got uh, improving focus, which is important for business, right? So, or studying, okay? So a study by the Leiden Institute for Brain and Cognition in the Netherlands had 36 participants listen to gamma frequency at around 40 hertz binaural beats for three minutes before and during a task. They found that binaural beats enhanced attention to specific visual details. So the 40 hertz is essentially what I would use myself for improving focus, concentration, and that kind of stuff. Okay, so there's obviously other, uh, you know, frequencies that you can use, but the 40 hertz is the pretty well-known and pretty well-researched frequency that um, I, I've, I've found myself and I've used uh, in multiple occasions. And this is important. So these guys used it for three minutes before and, and during a task. So before you start actually working, three minutes, and then during in the first three minutes of actually working. What you can also do, there's this other research that uh, people have done that you can essentially do it for five to ten minutes before you actually start doing the task and you're gonna get similar results okay number two we've got boosting concentration linking to improving focus obviously here we're talking about uh, beta waves between 60 and 24 hertz so a study at duke university medical center had participants listen to 30 minutes of beta waves 16 to 24 hertz um, they found they had better sustained concentration, less negative moods, and improved control of attention to resist distractions. For those of you who tend to find themselves that they get distracted very easily, this is something that could potentially help you. And in this you know, research paper, it was proven that it actually does that. Number three for improving ADHD. I uh, have not used binaural beats for this purpose specifically, but obviously um, there's a lot of research that helps you understand that it can definitely work and it can definitely help. So a study at the University of South Florida College of Nursing on 20 young students with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder or ADHD found that those who listen to binaural beats regularly for three weeks self-reported improvements in attention. Okay, so again, 
I think uh, this will link up to concentration and focus because people that have uh, struggled with ADHD, they won't be able to concentrate or focus. So uh, it's not just for those of us who want to excel in business or focus on completing a, a PhD, for example. It's also for those who actually their brains are not able um, you know, cognitively to, f- to, to focus on tasks because of you know, certain conditions. Okay. Number four, for reducing anxiety. A study done at uh, the Clinique Psyche in Montreal of 15 mildly anxious volunteers uh, found a significant reduction in their anxiety when they listened to binaural beats at least five times each week for a month. Okay, so I'm not exactly sure what mildly uh, anxious means here. Uh, there's definitely different levels of anxiety leading into, into depression, but uh, I can understand how this would work based on everything that we've talked about so far and based on the science, right? So if you're able to really reprogram your brain, because anxiety starts in the brain, all these kind of problems that people you know struggle with, they start in the brain and they're like a dysfunction of the brain. So if you're able to reprogram you know the neural connections and the way that your brain functions, then I don't see why you wouldn't be able to also, you know, focus on, um, um, you know, helping anxiety and that kind of stuff. Okay. Number five for improving sleep. Like I said, I do this myself a lot, like, no, not a lot, like every day, almost. Uh, yes, here and there, I would miss if I'm, if I'm really sleepy, I just go straight to bed. But most days, you know, I would find myself, uh, not, not able to sleep. I would put the, uh, you know, the frequency or the program that uh, I I find that works best for me, so the deep sleep program. And this this study done by the Institute of Movements and Neurosciences at the German Sport University in Cologne, uh, 15 elite young soccer players had them listen to binaural beats during their sleep for eight weeks and every participant reported better sleep quality. This is great, okay? So again, you can... I tend to listen to the, um, the program before I go to sleep, like I, I wouldn't fall fall asleep with my ear earbud, uh, earbuds in my ears because one, that's going to be very uncomfortable, and second, I don't think that's particularly health, healthy, you know. So essentially, I would listen to it for about twenty to fifteen to even thirty minutes before bed, and I'll bring myself to a state where my brain is like half asleep. Uh, but I've still got motor function that allows me to take my earpods uh, out, put them on a nice stand next to me, and then just. After that, I'm gone, you know, I'm asleep. Um, whereas I'm not exactly sure, you know, essentially how long into this, you know, did these guys actually sleep uh, with the uh, binaural beats? I, I, I doubt it, you know, because you're not really supposed to be to, to listen to binaural beats for a long period of time. Uh, so it was probably like for a limited time. But again, this proves that th- there are results there, okay? Um, number six, which is again very interesting for people who are healthcare professionals, uh, binaural beats were used for chronic pain. So researchers in Richmond, Virginia had 36 adults with chronic pain listen to two recordings of binaural beats for 20 minutes each day for two weeks. The result was that 77% of participants felt their pain was reduced. Okay, now this can be very relative and there can be so many different factors to this because you don't know the backstory of each one of these persons. Okay, so for me, this is something that I would have to know more about these people, but I've actually tried this uh, myself for uh, with my own clients, and I can definitely say that people have always like come back to me and said like you know I don't know how this works, but my pain levels have definitely dropped. Okay, now I don't care if this is placebo, 
because obviously some people will be like will be told like you know I use binaural beats it can help you with chronic pain some people are desperate for pain relief okay so you need to keep that in mind so desperation can sometimes le lead to results um, okay which is not a bad thing because placebo is great you know if the pain is gone then that's that's essentially a part of my job done okay so that can definitely you can definitely use binaural beats for chronic pain so if you are someone who struggles with chronic pain i would i would advise like sticking on uh, some of the programs that essentially can help your brain relax or uh, programs that can target you know pain in general um you know like for example with one of these apps that i mentioned um, and see how that makes you feel basically. Uh, number seven, number eight, so we've got number seven for boosting creativity and number eight for boosting cognition. So again, these are in a linked with the first couple of ones, so that first and the second one where we talked about focus and concentration, um, where essentially, uh, for for example, for the creativity study, participants complete a divergent and a convergent thinking task to assess two important functions of creativity and the study found no difference in convergent thinking but a boost in divergent thinking, which is associated with creativity and insight. So for those of you who don't know what convergent and divergent thinking is, essentially convergent thinking is the process of finding concrete and familiar solutions to problems, whereas divergent thinking is the creative process of generating original ideas and new possibilities. This is a whole new topic that I could potentially cover down the line if I find that it is relevant to everything that this podcast is about, okay? Uh, number eight for boosting cognition, a meta-analysis of binaural beat studies at the National University of Distance Education in Madrid uh, found that listening to binaural beats before and during a task can boost memory, attention and lower anxiety. Okay, so everything that we've said so far also goes for this. And again, there is a study linked to this as well. Uh, and finally, we've got uh, for a deeper meditation and for improving memory. So for the, for a deeper meditation, like I said myself, I use that a lot. And here we're talking about the delta waves, which is between 0.5 and 4 hertz, and even theta waves. Uh, so because in this study uh, specifically, these guys did a 6 hertz binaural beats test. So a study done at the Brain Computer Interface Laboratory at the uh, Mahido University in Thailand found that participants who listen to 30 minutes of theta 6 hertz binaural beats had an easier time entering a deep meditative state. Now obviously with meditation is a different topic because with meditation is a little bit different to deep sleep because with meditation you don't really want to go to sleep and that's potentially why these guys were using theta waves specifically because they were trying to stay on the brink of essentially going into that deep sleep. So that's very interesting there. And finally for improving memory, a study was done with three acoustic stimulation control conditions and three binaural B stimulation conditions, uh, which were none, pure tone, classical music, 5 hertz binaural beats, 10 hertz binaural beats, and 15 hertz beats. They found that listening to the beta, which was 15 hertz binaural beats, significantly improved working memory, uh, which was uh, essentially the ability to recall and retain multiple pieces of information, which again is very important for business because a lot of us that have our own businesses, we tend to forget things, right? So we tend to get lost into working on something and then we forget about other jobs or you know other important things uh, that we need to focus on okay so there you have it the 10 different uh, aspects of binaural beats uh, 10 different uses or applications which uh, again i'm going to link each study into the uh, description of the podcast or the video 
So previously I mentioned uh, an app that I personally use in the morning and throughout the day as well called Brainwaves. So I'm going to have a link in the description as well. So what I tend to do, I would put on a morning routine for about 20-30 minutes whilst I'm preparing for my day. And that is how I conclude the second step in my morning routine. Okay. And now we're getting to part three of my morning routine, which is going to be the cold shower. This is potentially uh, my most kind of hated, uh, I think, initially part of my morning routine um, yes some days I struggle to get out of bed and that's everyone does that but that's not really a problem I would get out of bed you know uh, by normal beats that's easy you just stick on the headphones it doesn't hurt it doesn't cause any inconvenience you know it doesn't really affect me in any way the cold shower is something that I don't look uh, forward to, uh, for obvious reasons. But this, this actually plays a big role in something called dopamine release. Um, that essentially, the uh, anticipation of something bad that's about to happen, and essentially the anticipation of uh, what's to come after the bad thing. And you're going to understand that later in the podcast. Okay, so let's talk about cold showers. There's definitely uh, main discussions about this online, and I know that some people are against it. But there's definitely plenty of research pr proving the benefit of cold water exposure for not only brain function but also physical performance. What's interesting to note here is that the body needs coolness in order for you to fall asleep quicker and have optimal sleep patterns. You require warmth in order to wake up so the body will need to warm up in order for the brain to start pumping blood into your muscles and commence a more complicated um, cognitive function. So when I'm doing the first two steps of my morning routine, I make sure the rooms in my place are nice and warm. But when it comes to the cold shower, we're talking about a very quick exposure, which has been scientifically proven to boost dopamine and adrenaline. Dopamine is a powerful molecule capable of elevating mood, enhancing focus, attention and goal-directed behavior. Even short bouts of cold exposure can cause a lasting increase in dopamine and sustained elevation of mood, energy and focus. Here is a snippet of one of my favorite podcasts on neurobiology from Dr. Huberman. Uh, these are facts based on a recent study considered doing deliberate cold exposure for 11 minutes per week total. Not per session, but rather two, two to four sessions lasting one to five minutes each distributed across the week. Again, the water temperature should be uncomfortably cold, yet safe to stay in for a few minutes. Okay, you can do more but this should be the minimum to achieve the benefits of cold exposure. I personally don't have access to a cold tank yet or any specific cold water exposure equipment. So I have to make do with the cold shower and I essentially spend one to two minutes in it. And after I have uh, essentially had my regular shower, so I would shower with mild temperature uh, water for a couple of minutes uh, or as long as it takes for me to do what I need to do. And after that, I would put a shower cap on uh, and expose the rest of my body to the cold water. Uh, I use a shower cap because I don't want to expose the top of my scalp to very cold water, especially in the winter for obvious reasons. The rest of the body has enough receptors which will indicate to the brain that it needs to release dopamine and adrenaline. And this stuff really works because I feel wide awake after it, straight after. Even if some mornings I feel like crap and my eyes are closing, 
after the cold water exposure, everything changes and I can feel that my brain is more ready, uh, you know, in a way, and it's essentially um, ready to start cognitively working. And the beauty of the cold water exposure is that the effect that you get straight after the shower itself uh, kind of is prolonged throughout the day. So whenever uh, I get that dopamine rush, it's not just like a quick rush and then it declines. It actually stays with me, which is, which is great. And here we get to something that I mentioned a couple of uh, minutes ago uh, about uh, anticipating something bad, but then afterwards anticipating something called a reward. The feeling of getting a, a reward in a sense can also stimulate dopamine release, which is going to stay with you for the rest of the day. And it's also going to make you feel accomplished. This is something that uh, I really focus on in the morning because it's like you're achieving something. You're achieving a task even before most people have gone out of bed. It's going to make you feel like you've got superpowers basically, uh, which is not a bad thing. Okay. So what follows is the final two stages of my morning routine. I'm going to put them together because they essentially happen right around the same time and uh, are linked with each other. Part four, part four and five, uh, I've called uh, caffeine and exercise. First of all, exercise doesn't just relate to physical exercise. It can also relate to mental exercise, you know, cognitive uh, tasks that you're doing. But I'm going to get to that a bit later. Okay, so we have come to my favorite part of the morning. And probably most people's favorite part as well. And, re and remember, I said that the cold shower was my most hateful part. You know, I, I kind of I don't look forward to the cold shower. I don't hate it, but I don't look forward to it. You know, I wish I could, I, I I would do it like without it, but the the health benefits are just too too good to ignore here. So I have to do it if that makes sense. But with the exercise, I want to do it. So the way I see it, you are to suffer a bit before you get to this part of the, of the day. And all of that entire process is in a way a tool to increase dopamine production because you feel like you're getting rewarded. It is important to note here that caffeine consumption needs to be specifically ingested at least 90 to 120 minutes after you've gotten out of bed. So if you get up at 7 a.m., you would ingest caffeine around 8.30 a.m. at the minimum. And when I say get up, uh, it's actually better to say wake up. So that, because most people would essentially wake up and they would just kind of lie there in bed, stare, stare at the ceiling. That's what I mean. So the moment your brain is uh, woken up, uh, obviously don't try to fall back asleep. That's even worse, you know, on so many different levels. Let's say you've woken up at 7 a.m. and you stay in bed up until about half half seven. Because it happens. Nobody jumps out of bed and starts making millions of money, you know. Don't listen to people who, who kind of talk in that way, you know, because, you know, people get tired. Your brain can get tired the day previously if you've had like a very long and tiresome day. So some, some of us require that half an hour in the morning just to get ready for the day. And sometimes that actually works better. Other days, I jump, jump out of bed and I feel great. So you just need to listen to your body. But essentially, the moment you, you feel like you're, you're awoken, that's essentially when this process starts. So you, you wake up around 7 a.m. So your caffeine ingestion will come around 8.30 a.m. at the minimum. So this, this information, again, was provided by studies that have worked on the effects of caffeine consumption and what happens in the body in the morning is the reason why. This circadian rhythm is our internal body clock that helps regulate our sleep-wake cycle, including the morning release of cortisol and epinephrine, which are hormones that enhance alertness and focus. The release of cortisol is timed to our sleep-wake cycle with levels that peak around 45 minutes after we wake up, then drop rapidly for the next few hours and slowly decline throughout the rest of the day. 
If you're caffeinating while your cortisol levels are still elevated, so when you first wake up straight away, you're introducing caffeine into your system when you could do without it, and it can disrupt your cortisol's natural flow, basically. But if you wait an hour or two uh, before you have coffee or caffeine, the different types of the different forms of caffeine, the caffeine will kick in as your cortisol levels begin to decline, just when you could use it the most. Okay, that's the beauty of uh, this entire process. Another way to look at it is if you drink coffee or tea or other caffeinated beverages during your peak cortisol production phase, the caffeine will be less effective. Plus, by doubling down on stimulants, cortisol and caffeine, you may build up a tolerance over time, which means that more coffee to get the same pick-me-up. So most people are very tolerant to caffeine nowadays, which means that they need more to actually feel the benefits of it. But even if you feel like you're very tolerant to caffeine, if you like in the day you're having so many coffees and none of them are working, if you get yourself off caffeine for a couple of days or even a week and then introduce this process and this system, you're going to feel great. And trust me, I've tried this. Okay. The other reason to delay caffeine consumption is a hormone called adenosine. Adenosine is a hormone which dictates the level of sleepiness in your brain, which means that the more adenosine you have in your system, the more sleepy you will feel. And if you ingest caffeine too early in the morning, whilst your adenosine levels are still very low, you're essentially blocking the receptors of the adenosine and disrupting the natural flow of the hormones. This will also disrupt the natural flow of cortisol. After a couple of hours, the effects of caffeine will wear off and your levels of adenosine will create a greater level of sleepiness, which means early afternoon crash, which most of us know about, right? I usually take my caffeine in the car with me as I commute to my office, where I have conveniently also created a gym, okay? So this is happening, let's say around uh, half eight uh, or 9 a.m., which means that if I go up or walk up around 7 a.m., I've got those 90 minutes prior to ingesting caffeine. Uh, and you're probably thinking like, what, what do you actually do for that an hour and a half and, you know, or two hours or whatever before you, you know, get to work, you know, and you're probably saying to yourself, like, I don't have that time. Um, this is where we need to talk about everyone, everyone's kind of schedule personally. So I've done this in a way that really, you know, fits my schedule. And I think it's going to fit most people's schedules because most people would start work at 9am in the first place anyway. Okay. So if by half eight, you are already having caffeine that means that you're good as long as you woke up at around 7 a.m., okay? And again, if you wake wake up at 7 a.m. and you feel like you still need a couple of minutes in bed and you're not ready to get up, then fine, as long as you don't fall back asleep, okay? So usually for me, it takes me about 15 minutes to get to my office and uh, throughout that time, as, as I'm driving, I sip on my coffee whilst getting there. Essentially, this is another process that I really focus on. I have... Um, like probably some of the, the best minutes of my day on the day to work, whereas most people hate that process. You know, you're thinking, that, oh, you know, crap, like I have to go to work now, this is my commute. Okay, but your work hasn't started yet. And yes, I know traffic can be, you know, something very annoying. However, you're in your car, you can listen to whatever you want, you can get yourself pumped for the day, you can have your coffee, which helps having the coffee in the car, uh, you know, helps you get more alert and a bit more, a bit happier, actually. I, I find that works really well for me. 
so when I get to my office, it's time for the final part of my morning routine, and that is exercise. And as I mentioned earlier at the beginning of this stage, is that exercise can be very uh, flexible because uh, essentially you can have exercise that's physically uh, physically challenging. So you can do um, you know training training your body in the morning, or you can or you can essentially choose to complete a more challenging cognitive job, such as something related to your work or learning new things. Okay, so I personally tend to train most of the time. But as I'm actually writing this podcast, I felt that my brain was more inclined into working on the podcast than training. So I sucked my back workouts and decided to work on this. And that's absolutely normal. Okay, so most, let's say that 95% of the time I'll be training in the morning. But then there's that 5% where my brain is like, the moment I get out of bed uh, and I, I kind of finish my morning routine and I'm driving to work. I'm thinking like, I want to get this done. You know, I want to finish this podcast because it's interesting for me. uh, And I find it very, very, you know, interesting. And I want to learn more about it. And when I get to the gym, all I'm thinking about is I just want to finish this podcast. And if, if my brain is elsewhere... I can't, it's very, it's very difficult for you to multitask, first of all, it's, it's nearly impossible, but it's even harder to switch your focus from what you really want to do to something that you kind of, you kind of want to do, but um, sometimes, you know, some things are more interesting, if that makes sense. So I would personally stop my workouts and just go and do what I want to do, which is, again, something that's very beneficial for me in my business, and I, I can always work out. So, for example, if I don't manage to work out in the morning because I want to do something cognitively challenging or finish a job that I really want to finish, I would then later on train in the day. That's also something that I do, okay? So, I'm sharing all of this because I need you to know that not all mornings go according to plan. If there is someone out there telling you that they run 20k at 5am every single morning and after that they smash their multi-million business, I would say take their words with a grain of salt. Okay, so most mornings my routine uh, goes according to plan really and that makes the rest of my day a lot more productive but there, there is that 5% where things just don't work out the way you want them to and that's absolutely fine. Okay, so we finally got to the conclusion of the podcast and if you are still listening, uh, I, I want to say thank you for being here. Um, so we're at the end of the uh, episode today. So I hope that the information that I provided has been useful to you. And if you want to learn more about a different topic, uh, different topics that I covered, you can head into the description of the podcast or the video if you're watching on YouTube. I'm going to add every article and every piece of information there for you. Okay, so if you want to go through them yourself. So once again, Thank you for being here and I shall see you in the next episode.